Uh, lots of good stuff going on. I know that the church is not gathered, but we are scattered, and we're continuing our mission. Like we're still doing everything God has called us to do at the Dream Center, still feeding families, still loving and encouraging, bringing help for today and hope for tomorrow, still doing things like the School of the Spirit. We had over 150 people registered for the School of the Spirit, learning how to grow in the things and the knowledge and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we have a lot of other opportunities that Pastor Dylan's going to talk about uh, later on at the end of service, but we have some online groups we're starting up. So you can get together for the next four weeks, even though you're isolated and quarantined. You can learn how to overcome your anxiety in one of the groups, uh, a prayer group, a men's group, a women's group, and a few others. That for the next four weeks, you can get together with other believers and really grow in your faith. We also have some Zoom parties. Say, what's a Zoom party? It's basically just getting together one time, big video call, so you can reconnect and kind of share catch up with some of your friends and family here at chapel. So lots of stuff going on. We are going to receive our tithes and offerings. We want to do that in a spirit and attitude of worship. And in Philippians, I think it's chapter 1, Paul is writing the church at Philippi. And he tells them this amazing thing. He starts asking them and thanking them for what they've done and partnering with him in ministry. He says this. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all by making my prayer with joy because of your partnership with me in the gospel from the first day until now. And with you, Chapel, man, I just thank you for partnering with us in the vision and mission God has given us, even in a crazy time like this, to continue seeing our ministry go forward in a healthy way and seeing the thousands of people that are watching our program now and watching our worship services and hearing the word of God. Thank you for partnering with us. And I just want to pray, just like Paul did, a, a blessing over you and your household as you partner with us in ministry. Father, we thank you for every single seed that is sown in your kingdom. And right now, I just thank Chapel. I thank the family for pouring into your kingdom and pouring into your vision and mission and seeing a partnership in the gospel, seeing families fed, seeing people come to Christ, seeing people empowered and filled with your spirit, seeing people encouraged and blessed and finding hope in the middle of all this chaos and crisis. We just pray a blessing over their families as they give. Father, I just pray they're not just giving, they're sowing seed into the future destiny of their households. So we pray that you protect it. We rebuke the devourer from every home and from this church and from all the churches in our community. We just pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is going to be Easter week, which is crazy. Usually we're getting together and getting ready to celebrate the resurrection. We're still going to celebrate the resurrection. We're just not going to gather. We're going to celebrate the resurrection in our homes. But we also have a great way for you and your family to kind of remember the life and the death of Jesus on Good Friday. So at 6 p.m., our family, the Gorleys, are going to share devotion with you, but also share communion with you as well for Good Friday. So join us at 6 p.m. on Facebook Live. You'll love it. You'll enjoy it. You'll get to see my lovely wife, who is, is not happy to be on uh, Facebook Live with us, but she'll enjoy it as well. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 27. And I, I pray that this message today really challenges you and provokes you and encourages your faith. It's easy to say to have faith over fear, but until you know where your faith comes from, you're never going to overcome that fear. And so in Acts chapter 27, it says this. It says, When neither sun nor stars had appeared for more, many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was last abandoned. All hope was gone. All hope was lost. They were abandoned. They were about to give up. And since they'd been without food for a long time, meaning they were starting to get hungry, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. So Paul's standing up. He's telling, listen, you should have listened to me the first time. 
in the middle of a bunch of sailors, roughnecks that are worried about their lives, worried about dying. He stands up and he really starts talking. He says, yet now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. So, so Paul is stepping up with this great confidence to declare what he feels like God has shown him. He, he's standing in faith in the middle of all these other people losing hope. And he says, for this very night there stood before me an angel of the God of whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who sell with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that, I will, that it will be exactly as he has been told to me, but we must run aground on some island. So then when the 14th night had come, so 14 nights in darkness with no hope in the middle of the storm, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected they were nearing land. So they took a sounding about uh, 20 fathoms. A little farther, they took another sounding again and found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors. They let down four anchors. They let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out acres from the anchors from the bow. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, unless you stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship, uh, of the boat, and let it go. So here's Paul. To know the backstory, this is Acts 27. Acts 28 is the end of Paul's journey in his life. He's literally on his way to speak before Caesar to be beheaded and killed and martyred for his faith in Jesus. And on the way there, he's already been through three shipwrecks before. And this is, his, is maybe his last shipwreck. He knows what a shipwreck looks like. And he stands up and says, listen guys, if you would listen to me, I told you we should have took off to begin with because this is the worst possible season to be on a ship on the Adriatic Sea. Actually, this season after the Day of Atonement, they wouldn't sell at all during these few months. And they sailed anyway. And Paul stands and says, listen, I, I told you we should have done this. But now that we're already going this direction, I'm going to let you know we're going to be okay. We're going to make it, even though he's about to face death in front of Caesar. He has this faith to stand firm. And see, many times in the middle of the storm, the waves, the wind, they start hitting us and battering us. Sometimes life comes at you, starts battering you and pushing you back and forth. And what I've learned in life is that when seasons of storms come, it's very easy to drift away. It's very easy to drift off course. In seasons like we're in now, it's very easy to feel the season of storms raging against you and you to drift away from your faith or you to drift away from the goals or drift away from the vision that God gave you or drift away from your purpose. It's very easy to drift towards the rocky shores or it could be easy to drift farther out to sea and get off course from where God is wanting to take you. See, seasons of storms, just like with these sailors, it was dark. It said there was no sun, no moon, nor stars. They didn't have GPS. They didn't have a compass. They didn't have the stars to navigate with. They were completely in the dark. And when you're in the dark, it's very easy to lose sight of where you're going. And I think one of the greatest dangers in seasons of storm and in, in stormy weather is to start drifting away from your first love, to start drifting away from the promise that you feel like God gave you, start drifting away from things that are important to you. It's, it's very easy to start to drift. And we have to learn in seasons like this not to drift. And the safest thing to do in the middle of the storm, 
the safest thing to do in the middle of the storm is to drop your anchors and just be still. Just be still. Because you can't see. You can't see if you're going the right direction or the wrong direction. Drop your anchors and be still. And there's three responses on this ship that I think are, are the same responses all of us have when crisis hits. Whether it's financial crisis, whether it's family crisis, whether it's marriage crisis, whether that's a job crisis, whether it's a ministry crisis, whether it's a pandemic crisis. There's three responses that we see on this ship that I believe happen in every single crisis we face even today. And the first one is, you see the response is the bulldozer response. Paul told the captain of the ship earlier on in Acts chapter 20, he says, we don't need to go. We need to wait because these storms come. We will not make it. And the captain is not going to listen to a prisoner on the ship Paul was actually handcuffed to a guard. And Paul's trying to tell the captain, listen, I've been through a few shipwrecks. I know what they look like, and we shouldn't be going this direction. And the captain says, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but we're going to bulldoze forward anyway. See, some of us, when storms come, we disregard all faith, and we just try to push through on our own agenda. We run over people, we run through people, and we actually get out in front of God instead of waiting for God to bring us our deliverance. And many times, people that are bulldozers, that we know many of them in life, the people who are bulldozers, they camouflage their pride with faith. They use faith talk to actually camouflage their pride. And so bulldozers are full of pride thinking they can make a way, they can make it happen, they can, they can push through But in reality, they cost not just themselves their faith, but the people who are with them actually are are collateral damage. And so maybe you, maybe when times get rough, maybe you try to pull yourself up from your bootstraps and try to push on forward. Maybe you bulldoze through your wife. Maybe you bulldoze through your kids. Maybe you bulldoze through your job. Maybe you bulldoze your way through. And the other people are escape artists. So you have bulldozers who are full of pride and and they try to push their way through. And then you have escape artists. You have these sailors who pretended like they were letting down the anchor, but they were actually letting down the lifeboat to try to get away. So they're not full of pride. They're full of fear. And so they camouflage their fear with justification or reasoning. I mean, they're giving reasons for their fear. Well, you know, I'm not really afraid. Just, you know, the news told me this. Well, I'm not really afraid. I'm just being... uh, concerned. I'm not really being afraid. I'm just really being wise or smart. And so they camouflage their fear with a lot of reasoning and logic, and they start trying to run away from issues or run away from the storm or going backwards instead of waiting on God's deliverance. So you could say they camouflage it with reasoning. So maybe you right now, maybe you're an escape artist. Every time things get difficult, maybe every time the storms rise up or the waves rise up, maybe you find yourself trying to find the next lifeboat. Maybe you go from marriage to marriage. Maybe you go from job to job. Maybe you go from church to church. Maybe you go from hobby to hobby. Maybe you go from vice to vice or drug to drug. Maybe you find yourself always looking for a lifeboat to escape every time a storm comes. Then you have the third response. You have bulldozers. You have escape artists. Then you have... Paul. Paul doesn't try to push ahead. Paul doesn't try to run away. Paul drops an anchor and says, we're going to stay here until the storm passes over. See, Paul had been through three shipwrecks. Paul knows that storms don't last forever, that they pass over. He knows as long as he waits on God. He'd seen God deliver him out of prison. He'd seen God deliver him out of being stoned. He'd seen lots of, he knew God would come through at some point, so he didn't have to rush the process. He could drop his anchors and wait. And see, a leadsman, I call him a leadsman. So you have bulldozers, you have escape artists, and you have leadsmen. 
Leadsman was the guy on the front of the stern who would drop the soundings that said in here to figure out how deep the water was. So a, a sounding was literally a long rope that had marks on it, and they would drop it down to see how deep the water was. So you could say the leadsman is kind of discerning the times. He's discerning how close we are to land, how close we are to, to coming through this. But they're also responsible for dropping the anchor. See, the leadsman is the person who determines what God is doing or how close we are through this process, but also drops the anchor and says, we're going to wait till God takes us forward. I want to encourage you, quit trying to bulldoze your way through the process. Quit trying to run away from the process and learn to drop an anchor in the middle of the storm because it is the safest thing to do when you're facing the waves and you're facing the wind is to drop your anchor and just be still. God knows the storm is going to pass over. God is going to bring you deliverance. There will be sunny days. There will be clear skies. And then God will take you to your final destination. That's the only way you can prevent yourself from drifting from one way or the other. Because really in your storms, your faith is not built in the storm. Your faith is revealed in the storm. He wasn't placing his faith in his ability to run away or his faith to move forward. He's saying, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to trust God. We're seeing Paul's faith in the scripture. And so there's four anchors. Let's talk about dropping four anchors. There's four anchors that I believe are dropped in my life. Every time we've hit a difficult season in my life, whether in ministry, whether in family, whether in sickness, I've realized these four anchors are there. And they're the same four anchors Paul talks about in the scripture. Because absolutely, God's will is going to come to pass. The only question is, will I be a part of it or not? God's will is not going to change. His purpose will be fulfilled. The only question is, will I be on the boat or not? Paul even told the people on the boat, he said, listen, if they leave, they're going to die. But if they stay on the ship, meaning the ship is your faith. Your faith is what's taking you through the seas of life. As long as you stay on the ship, as long as you don't quit, as long as you don't disobey God, as long as you don't run away, as long as you don't fall away, as long as you stay on the ship of your faith, you will finally make it. In your faith, there is no such thing as blind faith. Faith has to have a substance. Meaning, faith has to have a substance. Our peace in the middle of the storm is not going to be contingent upon what you've experienced before. Your peace will be contingent. Your peace will be contingent upon what you are anchored to. If you're not anchored to anything, you're going to be rocked. You're going to hit the waves. are going to shift you one way. But when you find out what are you anchored to, see, your faith has to have anchors. Your faith has to have substance. There is no such thing as blind faith. Even in Hebrews 11, Paul gives us the definition. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance. I mean, your faith has to have some anchor points. It, it can't just be blind faith. It can't be your mama's faith. It has, you have to have some anchors in it. And anchors in the, in, the old, in the New Testament here were literally large rocks that they would drill a hole in, tie rope around, and they'd throw those rocks over to anchor the boat. You have to have some rocks to your faith, some stones, some pillars, some, some altars, some, some mementos, some things that hold you in place. And I think Paul found those. When you read it, verse 23 through 25 says, for this very night, there stood before me an angel of God. He says, to whom I belong. So one anchor would be God's love. Paul knew that God loved him. He knew who he belonged to. Then he says, to whom I belong. And he says, and whom I worship. He knew God's presence. He didn't have to question God's presence. He knew if he's worshiping, 
He knows God's presence is there. Then he says, and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who will sail with you. So take heart, men. I have faith in God. He knew God and he had faith in God's character and God's ability. He knew God was more than enough for what he needed. And then he says, for it will be exactly as I have been told. He had faith in God's promises and purpose. So he had these anchor points. And I've discovered that every part of my life, even our first year here when things are chaotic, like I told the others, I know who God is. I know what God has called me to do. I know who God has called me to be, and I know God loves me. And if I know those four things, it doesn't matter what happens, I'm good. Those are my anchor points. And Paul's saying, these are my anchor points. That as long as these anchors are in the ocean, it doesn't matter if it's a hurricane. It doesn't matter if it's a tornado. It doesn't matter if it's a blizzard. I'm not going to drift either way. My faith is still. So number one, my faith is anchored in God's love for me. Like if you don't have that anchor point, the waves and the wind is going to move you from idol to idol to idol. Because you're going to look for an idol that actually loves you. And like, I know that I belong to God. Like, I don't have to question in seasons of chaos just because storms come doesn't mean this has changed. This is an anchor point for me. No matter if it's good or bad, I know that God loves me. And in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is trying to say the same thing on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, listen, do you see the trees are blooming? Do you see the flowers are blooming? Do you see the birds of the air chirping and singing their songs? They're beautiful. They don't have to work to get dressed, have to work to find food, and you're much more valuable to me than them. And he was trying to tell them, I love you so much, you shouldn't have to worry. He said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and I'll take care of everything else in your life. God wants you to know he loves you. And if you know that, it takes care of a lot of the other problems. It's like the, the girl who was at school in kindergarten, her dad was the principal started getting in trouble, a little ADHD at school and coloring outside the lines, heard her back talking. The teacher really kept trying to get her in her place. She started reprimanding her. Finally, the teacher got down and said, listen, I need you to stop doing this now or you're going to be in very big trouble. And the little girl looked up and says, don't you know who my daddy is? Like when you go through things in life, like when the enemy starts trying to tempt you or, or, or rise up against you, all you have to do is say, don't you know who my daddy is? Like my daddy loves me. Like my God loves me. And I think what God is trying to say to you, I think really what he's trying to say is I love you and you're mine. God is saying right now, he loves you and you are his. And if you know that, you don't have to get tossed to and fro. God is saying, trust me, I love you. Second anchor point, he's saying, my faith is anchored in God's presence. Paul said, to whom I worship, meaning he knows that God's presence is where he needs to be. In the middle of the storms, in the middle of life, I realized I've never been outside of God's presence. Before I was saved, I can look back on my life, I can tell that God was there. David says in Psalms 139, he says, if I go to Sheol, if I go to the pit, you're there. Paul knew that no matter where he went in life, God's presence was there. He knew he'd never been forsaken. He'd never been left. He knew that he could trust the fact that God was with him. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. He says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? So we can confidently say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what can man do to me or what can the storm do to me or what can the seas do to me. See, when you know that God is with you, Nothing else matters. 
When you know God is with you, it doesn't matter what's coming against you. So even when I don't see that he's there, and even when I don't feel that he's there, Paul's saying, even though it doesn't feel like God is here, I know that God is here. And we sing this Waymaker song, and it says, even when I don't see it, I know that you're working. Even when I don't feel it, I know that you're working. And I think you need to be reminded in this season that even when you don't see God, God is still right there with you. God is saying is trust me I'm here I'm with you I think that was an anchor that Paul knew no matter what was happening that he could turn and experience the presence of God in his life and number three I think faith my faith is anchored in God's character and his ability Paul even said Paul said I have faith and trust in my God in God meaning he knew who God was he knew that God was a good God he knew that God was a powerful God he knew God had the ability to take care of him, but also the compassion and the love to take care of him. And he said, I have my faith in him. In the middle of your storms, in the middle of the waves, in the middle of your crisis, you have to remind yourself, my faith is not in the size of my circumstances. My faith is in the size of my God. Like you have to remind yourself because our temptation is to change the object of our faith and we start making our God the size of our storm instead of comparing the size of our storm to the size of our God. Like, like that's the temptation is to change our focal point. And what happens is many of us, we, we worship a God who's only as big as our biggest problem. And that's why we're flustered. That's why we've lost all hope on the ship. That's why we're, we're abandoning in our faith because our God is not that much bigger than our problems. A.W. Tozer, my favorite author, he said, the most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think about God. 
many, your picture, your viewpoint, your perspective of who God is, is the most important thing about you because that becomes your filter in which you interpret every problem, every storm, every circumstance. And so your filter is not necessarily the Bible. Your filter is how much of the Bible you have in your brain. Because your brain will determine how you see God. How big is my God? And the bigger your God is, the smaller your problems are. The smaller your problems are, or the bigger your problems are, the smaller your God. See, you have to determine how big is your God. How big is your God? (laughs) I, I fly... Or I used to fly quite often. Toy and I fly. And I, I read a story about two years ago about a husband who surprised his wife with this great vacation and she'd never flown before. So I was thinking about it because Toy and I a couple years ago went to St. Thomas and I saw some pictures of our trip from St. Thomas and was thinking about how awesome it would be to, to do that again after this quarantine is over. And so this other husband, he booked this whole thing. They showed up and they were on the little small plane. So the small planes at the airport are the ones I don't fit in. Like you literally, I'm too tall. They're too small. She shows up. She sees the plane. She says, I'm not going on that plane. She says, that plane is too small. And the husband was irate. He'd done all this planning, all this preparation, all this money he'd spent, and now she's refusing to go. So he goes to the counter, and he works out all these changes to get them on a larger airplane. So instead of the little bitty RJ-135, now they're getting on a big 767. And he says, I'll get on that plane. He said, why would you get on that plane? She said, because it's so much bigger. And so many times we think that our, our faith is determined by what we see. No, your faith is determined how big you think the plane is. See, if you think God is a small Cessna airplane, you're not going to trust him with long flights. But if you know that he's a a big God, then you'll trust him with longer flights. See, your perspective of who God is determines your faith level. Actually, I would say your peace is contingent upon how big your God is. And so if he's that airplane, if you're in him, if you're in Jesus, you're going to feel faith through the storms. But if you're on the outside of the airplane, you're going to be disturbed by every wind, every turbulence, every wave, everything that happens. And so in this moment, this season, we have to ask ourselves, am I in Christ or am I out of Christ? Have I been washed in the blood of Jesus? If I'm in Christ, then I'm protected by everything outside of Christ. But if I'm outside of Christ, I'm exposed to the elements. And I think what God is saying is to trust Him. He's more than enough. He's more than able. He's bigger than any problem you've ever experienced. He's bigger than COVID. He's bigger than the economy. He's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than everything you've ever faced. He's saying, trust me, I've got you. Trust me, I've got you. And the fourth anchor that I think they throw over the ship, my faith is anchored in God's promises in God's purposes. Paul says, listen, I know. He says, take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. He had this anchor point that he knew if God said it, it's going to come to pass. He knew that God's word would not return back to him. But he knew that if God gave a promise, God was going to keep the promise. He knew that if God said it, it surely is going to happen. See, when you go through storms, you have to remind yourself of what God said before the storm. 
in the middle of the storm, we tend to forget what God said before the storm. And the promise didn't change just because the weather changed. The promise didn't change just because the clouds got darker. The promise didn't change because the sky started getting dark. The promise didn't change. If God promised it then, God will bring it to completion. And you have to remind yourself that storms cannot destroy the promises and purposes of God. But you can quit. You can jump on that lifeboat and take off in the other direction and leave the promises that God gave you. But the promise still will come to pass. The promise still will be fulfilled. Even in Jeremiah 29, 11, a scripture tons of people quote. This, this scripture is actually a prophecy that the church, Israel, was going to go through a season of 40 years of storms and rough seasons. But he says, listen, in the middle of that storm, you need to come back to this promise. He says, for I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans to prosper you. Plans that are good and plans that are full of hope. He's saying, listen, in the middle of the storm, I'm giving you this promise now so that way you'll remember it in the difficult seasons. See, God's word is going to come to pass and it will happen. We must learn to focus on the promises God has given us and the purpose, even if your purpose, you don't know what your specific purpose is, even if your purpose is just, I know I'm called to live a godly life and to give God glory for everything I do. Even if that's it, right now, stand on that promise. Right now, drop that anchor and say, in the middle, when everybody else is being in chaos, in the middle of this crisis, when people are walking in fear, I'm going to still live out my purpose. I'm still going to live a godly life, and I'm still going to glorify God. I'm still going to love on my neighbors. I'm still going to connect with my church. I'm still going to give. I'm still going to worship. I'm still going to be everything I was before the storm. I'm going to have the same purpose in the middle of the storm. Because you have to remember that God is not surprised by the storm. God actually has a plan through the storm. God has something going on on the other side of the storm. You may lose some cargo. You may lose the ship. You may end up crashing on the shore. But God's promise will still come to pass. Joseph in the Bible, amazing story that ends in Genesis chapter 50. God had given him a promise, a vision, a dream. That he's going to see his brothers bow down and, and basically worship him or lay down at his feet. He tells his brothers, and all of a sudden, all chaos, all crisis breaks loose. They sell him into slavery after they've almost killed him. He goes into slavery. He's falsely accused of rape. He goes into prison. He helps somebody else get out of prison. They forget about him and leave him in prison. Then he gets elevated into this great spot in Egypt. And all of a sudden, famine breaks loose in the land. And Joseph is protected because he had been faithful. He didn't bulldoze ahead. And he didn't run away. He dropped these anchors in the character of God and the promises of God. He knew that God loved him. He knew that God's presence was there. He knew that God was good. He knew that God would fulfill his purpose. And at the end of his life, his brothers are there laying down at his feet, just like the vision showed him. And his brothers are scared to death. And this is what he says. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for I am in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph learned. That even in the middle of the storm, even in the middle of slavery, in the middle of betrayal, in the middle of false accusations, God had a plan and God was working his plan. Don't you realize in the middle of COVID-19, God still has a plan. And God is actually using this to fulfill his ultimate plan. You say, well, is this from God? I'm not saying it's from God. I'm saying God will take what the enemy meant for evil and he will use it for good. 
God will use this to bring families closer together. God will use this to bring churches closer together. God will use this to bring a move of his spirit and the power of his spirit. God will use the storm to actually fulfill his purpose. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. You have to have this anchor point. Drop it over that I'm not moving because I know God's promises will come to pass. And in my life, I've come back to these anchors over and over and over again. That when things start getting rough, I drop over an anchor. I know that God loves me. I know that I belong to God. There's no question of that. I drop over another anchor. I know that God is with me. I know his presence is here. I know his presence is for me. It's not against me. Then I throw over another. I know who God is. I know God's character. I know that God is good. And just because the weather changed, God has not changed. I know that God is more than enough. I know that God is all powerful. And then the fourth thing I throw over, I know that God's promises are still true. And I think what God is saying, I think what he's saying to us is trust me. I have a plan and I'm working my plan. Don't try to change the plan. Don't try to get out in front of the plan. Don't run away from it. Drop an anchor and trust me, I have a plan. And I think as you do, you have these four anchors in your life, your faith will rise up. We can keep saying faith over fear. Faith without an anchor is not faith. It'll keep getting washed away. And some of you only have one anchor down and you're still getting drugged and washed away. Some of you, you know God loves you, but you've forgotten about the presence of God. You've forgotten about the promises of God. You've forgotten about the goodness of God or the power of God. Some of you, maybe you just have a promise. You, you forgot about the love of God. You think this is judgment on you. You have to have all four anchors to survive the storm. You have to have all four. And I think as Paul was doing this, Psalm 95, which Reagan read earlier in worship, is literally almost the exact same story. It's almost like Paul was taking Psalms 95 and throwing it in this story of his life. And he says this. I just want to read this over, over you. And he says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock or the anchor of our salvation. Those anchors were rocks. Maybe the anchor of my salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God. He has the ability and the power and a great king above all gods. Meaning I know who he is. I know his character and I know his ability. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Paul knew on that ship that the sea could not take him because God created the sea. He served the God of the sea. He says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the maker or the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. It has to be personal. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. And God is a good shepherd. God is a good pastor. He leads his sheep to still waters, not rough waters. He leads his sheep into greener pastures, not famine. He leads us in the right direction. For we are his people of the pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as one day, as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to proof through they had seen my word. Meaning, don't harden your heart by being a bulldozer and pushing through. Don't, don't try to push past God's promises. Don't try to push past this season. But also, don't harden your heart and try to run away from this season. Don't abandon your faith right now. 
Don't leave the ship right now. Don't leave the, the goodness of God right now. Stay on the ship. Throw your anchors down and remember that God is the creator of all things. He loves you. He is for you. He's not against you. And he has a plan and he's working his plan. And you'll be a part of his plan as long as you don't quit. Father, we love you. And we thank you for everything that you are. We thank you, Father. Our faith is not blind. Our faith is anchored to your love, to your promises, to your character, and to your presence. And Father, I pray right now for faith to rise up in your church. That, Father, we move away from fear. We move away from anxiety. We move away from trying to make our own way and our own plans. And, Father, we learn to sit still and rest until you move this storm over us. Father, I pray for sunnier days. I pray for clearer skies. Father, I pray for renewal. I pray for renewal of strength. I pray for renewal of faith. I pray for renewal of power. Father, I pray that you use this season to bring people back on your ship. So, Father, right now I'm praying for people who are watching this, wherever they may be. Father, there's some that are bulldozers. They've moved out above and beyond and out in front of what you're doing. Father, they left you years ago by chasing after their own dreams and their own ways. They've ran over people. They've hurt people. Their hearts have been hardened. They think they can do it. They think they can make it on their own. And Father, you're using this season to soften their hearts. I pray right now that you bring renewal and conviction to their hearts. I pray that you bring them back to your ship, back to your love, back to your presence, back to a place of salvation. Father, there's those who have been running away. They run from change to change, from boat to boat, from vice to vice, from God to God, from church to church, from marriage to marriage. And Father, right now, I pray that you're, you're softening those hard hearts and you're building up trust. They can sit on the boat and drop their anchors knowing that you're good, knowing that you love them. And Father, as they do, I pray just for a revival of souls during this hour. I pray for refreshing. I pray for power to rise up as we trust in you. And Father, above all things, we know that you're going and you're moving to your final destination. And Father, I just pray that you empower us to trust you more, to trust you on the journey, even when we cannot see, even when we can't see the, the final destination, that we'll trust you as the captain of the ship and the captain of our lives. And so we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing right now in the lives of your people. And we thank you for what you're going to do on the other side of this season. In Jesus' name.